Would you open your Bibles, please, to Matthew 6? I want to talk to you tonight about intentional faith. I, I was sorting through several titles for this. Um, one is How Not to Be a Practical Atheist. <laughs> I think I like that title. But intentional faith was shorter, would, uh, would communicate, I guess, the harder what I wanted to share tonight. And today, when I was when I was preparing and getting things out, I looked out the window and and saw this tiny little bird on the the tree, and it was so tiny it may have been a finch, a little tiny bird. The coloring kind of reminded me of a chickadee, but it was so small. And I thought the timeliness of me watching that bird for a couple minutes and enjoying that at the same time that the Lord had put this scripture on my heart. Incredible timing, huh? Matthew 6, verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. <laughs> that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? That little bird was on the tree looking for something to eat. And then I watched a woodpecker, and he was looking for something to eat. And I've seen so many birds, and that's what they do. They go out, and they look on the trees, or they look in the, um, the grass, or in the water. But they're looking for something to eat with expectation. I mean, it's extremely rare to find a bird that's starved to death. Right? It's really rare. And, there's, and I was thinking about that. There are so many birds, especially like in an area like this. We've got so many. And yet... They're prospering. They're building nests and having babies. I mean, they're producing. They're getting enough to eat. And Jesus is very clear that these birds are looking expectantly and finding food. They're not, you know, laying awake nights, worried what's going to happen, how they're going to eat, are there going to be any bugs on the ground tomorrow. I mean, they're just not worried about it. And I was thinking about this too. The only birds that wait to be fed are babies. And even there, they are expecting that the mom and dad are coming back with food for them. But the bird doesn't sit there on the tree and wait for something to be dropped on him. He's looking for it with expectation. I know it's here somewhere. And haven't we seen them do that? They peck over and over and over. Oh, found one. You know, they peck over and over. Oh, found one. Because it's expectation. They know by instinct, that the food is out there, that God's going to take care of them. And I think about that. It's like God has made provision for all those birds. And Jesus said, what are you worried about? Amen. What are you worried about? Verse 27, And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the, glass, the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So if we're worried about what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear... Jesus says, birds have more faith than you. You have little faith if you're concerned about those things. He says, verse 31, 
Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has no trouble of its own. So when Jesus is talking to the covenant people of God, he says, you need to have that same expectation as the birds of the field, that your needs are going to be met. What are you worried about? And Jesus is very clear. Who worries about these things? The Gentiles. Which, he's talking about people who do not have covenant with God, people who do not know the Lord. That's who worries about these things. But the people of God, they have no business worrying about these things. What I have seen is that a lot of times there are people, they call themselves Christians, they show up for church faithfully every week, but when it comes down to it, they worry all the time. We're not going to have this. Or is that, am I going to get sick? Are we going to lose our job? Is this going to happen? That going to happen? What they are is practical atheists. Because in their heart, they say, I believe in God. But in their behavior, they act like God's not alive. Like He's not there. I was having a conversation with someone this week. And this really was brought out to me. A practical atheist. Somebody who says... Well, God is good. He'll take care of my needs. The Bible says it. But they have not got that down into their heart. It's not made a change in how they approach challenges of life. It's not made for any difference. Because you look at them, they worry just as much as the guy that doesn't know God. I mean, they might call it prayer. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. You know. But, you know, the atheist will do that when he gets pushed in a hard spot. Everybody knows that they say there's no atheists in foxholes, right? I mean, we've all seen people who did not profess to have a relationship with God, but when trouble came, they're, oh God, oh God, oh God. Well, I've seen Christians praying like that. I'm like, why are we praying as those who have no hope? As those who are, have no expectation that God is actually paying attention to your circumstances and that He cares? And will He be better to us than the birds? Jesus said, you are uh, much more valuable than sparrows. Much more valuable. You know, I really feel that this is, a, this is a place where all of us can grow in. I feel it's an area I need to grow in. When the tendency is to look at the report, to look at the evidence, and be a little bit nervous about it. It's like, what happened to the joy? What happened to the peace? Why don't we just get out there and expectation something's going to show up for me? You know, there, so much about faith is just the expectation of life. You know, and it's, we, can, we can operate in a level of faith higher than what we're currently operating in. Listen, the verse says in Ephesians 2, 12 and 13, it says, Remember that you were at one time separate from Christ excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There is a big difference in what we have and unbelievers have. A big difference. 
They don't have God in the earth. They don't have the promises of God. They have no hope. They have no reason to believe that things will get better in any circumstance. They don't know the promises of God. They don't know the love of God. The difference between you and between them is the God factor. You have two people get discouraging news. Identical discouraging news. One person enters into despair, throws her hands up, oh, what we're going to do? The other person says, all right, God, what else you got for me? You know, I believe that if we are walking by faith, that we will have so much more peace and security than the other people around us. Not that you won't have challenges, because you'll, times your faith gets stretched, it gets pulled. Okay, God, we haven't been down this road before. But it goes back to, but I have a covenant. I have, I have a promise of God. We're not those with no hope and without God. I love that it says, but now in Christ Jesus. But now there's something different. Used to be, I didn't, but now things are different. So in every situation that you're and I facing, we remember that the Lord is at work. Things are not always what they appear. There's always something else going on. There's always something behind the scenes. God is at work, and also He has promised to be our helper. Isn't that right? He has promised to not leave us and to always help. So everybody else that doesn't know God, they will fall apart. We are to be the pillars of strength and to point them to Him. Jesus had said, have faith in God. I mean, He's telling the people of God, you need to have faith in God. It should be automatic that people of God have faith in God. But Jesus is saying, choose to have faith. Because, you know, we have that option. When a situation arises, we have the option. We can choose to live in fear. We can choose to live in worry. Or we can decide to be intentional about faith. I'm choosing to be a person of faith. I don't have to fall apart like everybody else that's falling apart. There are a few different kinds of faith. One type of faith is the gift of the Spirit. We understand there's prophecy and uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and healing and miracles. There's the gift of faith. The gift of faith is something that comes upon a person suddenly and uniquely. You didn't have it five minutes before, but now you got it. And the gift of faith often, often, if not always, works in conjunction with miracles. I heard someone describe the gift of faith this way. It's as though... The personal faith of Jesus Christ was suddenly dropped in your heart. When the gift of faith comes upon you, you there's no way it's, it's impossible not to work out. It, doubt is laughable because the gift of faith is so strong. I've had the gift of faith drop on me sometimes so strong. And I don't care what was in front of me or what they said. I knew it was going to work. I knew it was going to work. And the gift of faith, the beautiful thing about that, it's like the other gifts of the Spirit. You just need it for right now. And then when the situation has resolved, the miracles happen, the gift of faith is, bye-bye. You don't need it anymore. You know? Because it was just there for that situation. 
And we have seen this over and over. We'll see an emergency comes up and the power of God hits somebody, the gift of faith, the boldness comes on them. And, you know, they turn into, you know, it's Clark Kent and the Superman. And they come and they have this tremendous thing. And then the crisis is over, the miracle happens, and now they're back to Clark Kent. They're back to regular, the way they were. The gift of the the gift of spirits one type of faith. Another type of faith is a specialized form of faith for either a certain situation or certain kinds of situation. For example, you could have somebody who has so studied healing that when it comes to healing, they've got faith the size of outdoors. It's not the gift of faith. It's something that is a constant within them all the time that has come because they have spent a long time immersing themselves in the Word of God. I've, I've known lots of people who developed a strong specialized faith because they spent, they spent intense time in the Gospels watching Jesus heal the sick over and over and over and what he said about that. And they came away from that intense time having faith that's exploding on the inside of them. And a constancy of being able to really believe every time to see transformation, to see something happen. Some people have specialized faith because of not only have they studied it and been through it, but because of their experience, what they've come out of. A lot of times, you know, the pain, the difficulty that you have come out of, when you've seen God turn it around, you have got all kinds of faith for that kind of situation, right? Maybe your marriage got turned around. So you've seen God can do the impossible, and you believe, and you're able to, to pray and encourage somebody else with specialized faith. You know, I've, I've seen people, um, a lot of times we saw people that, they had all kinds of faith for healing, but no faith for finances. You know? And you're like, how come? Well, it's because they focused in and specialized on healing, but they really didn't take any time to feed themselves the Word of God concerning the finances. But the beauty of it is, you can devote yourself to study the Word of God, immerse yourself in that, and faith will come, because the Bible says, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So, there's that specialized faith. The, the third kind of faith is constant, abiding, growing faith. This is something that doesn't turn on and turn off like the gift of faith. This is something that is continually growing, increasing every day of your life. It's today you trust a little more than you did yesterday. Today you're more confident than you were last week. There is a growing through the seasons of life, a growing abiding. It's like the more you walk with the Lord, the more you get to know His character, His promises, and your experience, the more you have confidence to believe Him for the next thing. It's what David said when he faced Goliath. You know, he says, I, I fought the bear, I fought the lion. Who's this guy? If I can deal with a lion and a bear by the power of God, I can certainly take this uncircumcised Philistine out. And he had a growing, increasing faith. And the reason he was so bold, not just because he was a teenager, but the reason he was so bold for Goliath was because of that history. Because he spent those he spent years immersing himself in the presence and the love and the promises of God. And then his practical experience 
showed him that, you know what, God will come through for me. You know, all of us need to have testimony. All of us need to have something to point to, to say, you know, God came through for me back then. I was facing this. I was facing that. God came through. You know, those little testimonies, you hang on to them because they're going to help you to encourage somebody else. They're also going to encourage you the next time faith is being demanded in your life, right? Under the, this type of faith is underlying fruit and motivation for everyday life. This is not just get me into a healing line so I can pray for the sick. This is like you're walking in Walmart and you see somebody, you know, not feeling well. I happened to me one day I was in the commissary. I mean, just turn the corner, buying groceries, and there's a woman sitting on the floor in the store, and she's got her head in her hands. I'm like, um, are you okay? She was pregnant, and all of a sudden she got weak, and, you know, and she needed some cold water or something. She was, but I mean, there it was. I mean, it wasn't church. It wasn't the hospital. It's not where you're looking to find somebody, but turn the corner, and there she was. And this type, of, this type of faith is for everyday circumstances, no matter what you're going to come across. It is a trust in God, a growing optimism that things work out for me. Y'all have heard me say that a lot. Things work out for me. I've said it so often, I actually believe it. Things work out for me. So do you know, you can discipline yourself to speak words of faith, and your heart will come around. And what happens is, your life starts dovetailing with the words of your mouth. And uh, and I, I was talking to someone in, who said to me, I, I made a comment uh, about, well, I, it was in the middle of a big conversation, but the person said to me, well, you know, you, you'll just have another divine connection. You always have those. And I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I always have divine connections. I'm always meeting people that God has strategically put in my path. And so I have expectation that that's pretty ordinary for me. It's going to happen over and over. That when I meet people, oftentimes, many times, there's something strategic about our meeting. You know, so I have expectation. I've had it where I've shown up being invited to an event, showed up for the event, and thought, okay, God, who am I here to meet? Why, why else would I be here if not to meet somebody? And sure enough, many times, I meet somebody sitting right across the table from me. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Striking up a conversation. Oh, you're who I needed to meet while I was here today. <laughs> uh, this, is, this type of faith is a sincere faith. In 1 Timothy 1.5, Paul says to Timothy, The goal of our instruction is to love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. The King James Version says, of faith unfeigned. Sincere faith, real faith, not hype, not something fake and phony that people do to impress other people. You know, sometimes people try to fake you out. Pretend they have faith, and they don't have faith. They're just saying something, hoping you'll feel good. Yeah. But there is a sincere faith where there's a quietness that goes with it. It's not, I'm having to convince myself. I'm not having to convince anybody else. I actually believe this deep in my heart. How many of you have ever prayed the scripture um, out of fear? <laughs> Just prayed it out of fear? Or, or 
spoken and declared the word of God out of fear? I've done it. There's been times like, by his stripes I'm healed, by his stripes I'm healed, by his stripes I'm healed, feeling sick as a dog. By his stripes I'm healed. And from a place of striving and strife, not from a place of rest, not from a place of confidence. It was, it was wannabe faith. It wasn't real faith. Real faith comes with an optimism and a confidence and a boldness and says, here's how it's going to be. This was just kind of desperation. <laughs> Saying some verses and hoping they would work. See, I was moving from the place of being a practical atheist to being an actual believer. So, anyway, the Bible says in Romans 1.17 that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. We go from faith to faith. So, next time I see you, next time you see me, we should be a little more mature, a little more solid. You know, we need solid men and women of God who are able to hold it together when everybody around, around them is freaking out. We need to have solid men and women of God who can speak comfort, who can speak truth, who can speak reassurance, and maybe provide a testimony. I was reading online this week and and uh, there was a woman and she had posted a prayer request that um, they had, uh, well, the man had posted the prayer request. He and his wife had just come back from um, a visit to see the maternity doctor. And, and she was about three or so months pregnant. And the doctor was saying, oh, you know, we think this is going to be a high risk. We want you to make an appointment. And go see the high-risk you know, high um, doctor specialist. And, of course, that was a horrible thing for the young couple to have to face. And, and they were, you know, all shook up. And so he's asking for prayer. And I looked to see how people responded in, in the Christian forum. And people were saying, you know, those doctors are wrong. They told me the same thing. And, you know, I have healthy you know, son, because I just believe God. You know, don't, and like three and four and five people came behind and said, you know, God did it for me. God can do it for you. And then the, the, the husband got back on and he was so encouraged that somebody else had a testimony of God can come through for them too. And then to know that people were praying, you know, for his child to be born healthy with no problems. It's like, we sometimes need to surround ourselves with the, the cloud of witnesses from people who can back us up and support us and encourage us. And sometimes we just need to be that for other people and say, let me tell you what happened to me or what happened to my sister, what happened to my dad. I know somebody who was in a similar situation and I've seen God come through and I will see him come through again. It adds strength to people and helps them to grow in their faith and growing their confidence. Because you know what? Sometimes we're all a little bit weak. Sometimes we need to have somebody else come and add some strength to us. In 2 Thessalonians 1.3, it says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love of each one of you toward one another grows even greater. Your faith is greatly enlarged. King James says, your faith groweth exceedingly. So you're not just remaining at that initial place of faith where we are. The Bible says God has given to every man the measure of faith. But do you know what? We can develop that faith into a place where it becomes a very powerful and strong force in our lives. 
And I believe that, you know, the Bible says that, that he, that over the, who is he that overcomes the world? You know, and what is it that overcomes the world? It's even our faith. As we purpose to intentionally grow and develop that faith, it's going to provide tremendous strength and make us, um, make us also to have an increase of hope and peace and love. You know, because when faith is in operation, you, I mean, you can remain steady and put the pressure on and say, it's going to be what, like God said. It's going to happen what God said. But with that comes, you can sleep at night. There's a peace that comes with it. There's hope. There's expectation. Well, you know, it, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Expectation that comes. And, and then the love of God, because you realize that the reason it's going to be okay is because God is up to something. And He is good and He is merciful. Hallelujah. And it causes your love and appreciation to grow for Him as well. How are we going to increase this constant and abiding, growing faith? Okay? It's not the gift of the Spirit. It's not dropped on us. It's not the specialized faith. This is, I mean, faith for everyday events. Everything. That is going to come from hearing the Word of God. But it's also the discipline to feed your faith and to guard it. Because everywhere we go, every day, there are attacks on your faith. There are bad news. I mean, circumstances, I mean, everywhere you look, somebody's got something to say about how God's not going to come through and things are not going to work out. So you and I, we have, an, we have a responsibility to guard that. You know, it kind of reminds me of when Adam and Eve, and God told them to guard. He told them to keep the garden. And you think, why would he tell them to do that? Because there was an enemy that was going to come and was trying to get inside. And part of what Adam was to do was to guard it, was to keep invaders out. And when it comes to our lives, there are thieves that want to come in and steal your heart, steal your faith, steal your dreams, steal your hope. They want to come in and steal that, whether it's people who are energized by spirit forces or just, you know, the thoughts of doubt and fear that come to you. But we... We can learn to, as the Bible says, take every thought captive and reject it. And just because the thought comes doesn't mean that we have to entertain it, right? Doesn't mean we have to put up with it. Sometimes the best thing I have found to do is to start speaking out loud. Because sometimes those thoughts come, and the best way I've found to get rid of them is to address them and to say something with your voice. It's so much more powerful than just thinking in your head. Because your head keeps going back and forth. But when you release the words, it's really powerful. And there was one time, you know, I was driving down the road and I had my children in the back seat. And, and I just had this flash of, you know, the devil's going to try to get you in a car wreck today. You know, I could have dismissed it. I could have ignored it. But I said, I just decided to be proactive. And I began to speak the word of God. And I say, you know what? God has given his angels charge over me. I am blessed coming and going. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I start declaring these things. My kids are going, Mom, why? Why? <laughs> What's up? I said, I'm just taking care of a little business. Just making a declaration for how it was going to be. You know? It's like the enemy comes in with an evil report. Let's, let's declare. Make a declaration. It's going to be like this. I'm a king and I decree some things. 
it's going to work out for my good. It's going to work out for the advancement of the kingdom. You know, my kids are not going to be, you know, captured by the enemy. My kids are not going to hell. My kids, are, my kids are going to serve God. Yeah. My kids are going to serve the Lord with all their hearts. And just begin to call things in. This is how it's going to be. My bills are paid in Jesus' name. I'll never be late on a bill. My bills will be paid. That's my faith. All, my money is coming. Hallelujah. God's prospered me. He will continue to prosper me. My bills are paid. So we're just, and I have ample abundance to give. We have to get past, when it comes to finances, we've got to get past the idea of just getting your bills paid. I have plenty to give. You know, that's what, wasn't it in Ecclesiastes, it talks about distributing a portion to, to six or seven. There are some people, the only people they give to is their church. You know, that's not biblical. It's like, what about giving to the poor? What about giving to somebody else just to bless them? What about giving to other ministries that don't necessarily depend upon the tithe? You know? But just give to six and seven. Okay. Amen. Amen. I knew you would appreciate that. I knew you would. Allie. All right. This, this faith, this, this faith is coming through discipline to feed it. You know, the Bible says that we can let these things slip. If we neglect feeding on the Word of God, we can start to lose our grip on it. We can start to forget the things that are in there. So regular feeding on the Word of God will help to keep us strong in those things. And then when we hear what God has spoken, whether it's prophetically or in the Scripture or the preaching, whatever, when we've heard what God has said, we have a choice to believe it or not. You know, let's just choose to believe it. You know, we will believe the report of the Lord. We're just going to choose to believe what God said because He's smarter than everybody else. Because He knows more than everybody else. So let's believe what He said as opposed to what anybody else would say. And so to believe what God has said is to choose to be intentional in faith. If we believe that Jesus taught us to have faith in God, that not to worry because He takes care of birds, He can take care of you, then let's just be intentional. I'm going to obey that verse. I refuse to worry about these things because God took care of all those birds today. He's going to take care of my needs. I refuse to get into fear, refuse to get into worry about it because God, I am more valuable than a sparrow. You see, you're taking everything, you're bringing your thoughts into captivity and adding your own voice of faith to it. To take the faith approach, just decide to be a man or to be a woman of faith. Not someone who occasionally has a gift of faith or occasionally has faith in some areas, but to actually do as the Bible says, the just shall live by faith. To where this is part of our daily existence. You know, I, I was thinking about this before, that for some people, practically speaking, they'd rather solve their own problems than ask God for His help. I think a lot of people are like that. They're so used to thinking, well, if it's going to happen, it's because it's up to me, without factoring in God. But I believe that it's the men and women of faith who know I do what I can, that I go to sleep, while God who doesn't sleep is working on the problem. He's working on stuff that I don't even know about. I did my part, and my trust is that He's up to something. 
that he'll be faithful and he'll complete everything he's begun within me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The faith approach also means that we're feeding our faith intentionally, but also that our lives are marked by gratitude. People who are in faith are always thankful because they're like, thank God, my, my miracle's coming. Thank God it's on its way. I mean, I hear that all the time. Thank God. He is faithful to me. Thank God. He's dealing with my kids. He's working on my finances. He's working. Hallelujah. Thank God. And there's gratitude because we're recognizing that God truly is at work in everything in our lives. There's nothing He's not involved in. Hallelujah. And when we have conversations with people, there's always the, the two words that you can throw in when somebody says, well, I don't know, this doesn't look too good and that doesn't look too good. But God. But God. I have a covenant with God, so do you. So therefore, I don't know about the rest of these people, but I'm going to be okay. And the people I pray for are going to be okay because we have God on our side. Because I have a covenant that's built upon precious promises. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 138.8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Every place that is lacking, that's not quite up to speed yet, God is, has promised to perfect everything in my life. I love that. It gives me such hope. God's not through. I don't, it's not over. It's, there's still stuff to be done. Hallelujah. I want you to consider that even with Things that have happened, you know, things that have happened that have been out of our control. There are things that have happened that we have certainly been in control. We've made decisions, we've made choices and things, and, and there's been consequences for that. And sometimes, you know, we've second-guessed ourselves. Well, maybe that was the wrong thing to do. Maybe I shouldn't have gotten into that. Maybe I shouldn't have gone there. You know, I, I have been a person who tends to second-guess myself. Well, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't, you know. And the truth is that if God is at work and He is perfecting everything that concerns me, and if I have trusted in Him to make things work out right, then even whatever decisions I've made, whatever circumstances have happened around me, it all works together. It all works together. Perhaps... You thought it was your idea to go take on this project, but maybe that was God's idea. He just let you think it was your idea. How many of you have done that? Done something you thought was you, and then come to find later it was actually God? I've done that a lot. I've had times where I took a course of action for one reason, and then discovered that God had much bigger reasons. He was up to something I didn't have a clue about. I thought I was just doing this little thing right here. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. You were doing that, but I was doing boom, 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 boom. I was doing like six or eight things. How have y'all ever noticed that God never does this one thing? Never. He's always up to more than, than what is just obvious. And so even when I look back on some things and say, well, that didn't work the way I thought it was, if I start looking and say, God, show me your hand in the middle of it, I start seeing that God was at work 
in areas I wasn't counting on. There were things I thought it was about this. He was after something else entirely. I don't know if that makes any sense to you. But I just, without you know, giving too many personal examples, the whole, the whole idea is that if we are intentional in faith, we understand that God is there every day at work, ordering your steps, even when you don't think so. Even when you don't know what's going on. He is there. And so our place of trust and, and faith and confidence in Him is that expectation. Have you ever had you ever had a day where you just you know you tried to you know you tried to go to the grocery store you tried to you know go to the Walmart or somewhere and you just hit delay after the delay and you finally said I'm just not going to do it today and then come to find out there was a very good reason not to go because the sale starts tomorrow I mean, <laughs> I've had things like that happen to me before and so you start into a place of just expecting God's working whether you realize all time or not. He is perfecting you and He is perfecting His will for you. So therefore, in every situation, we can choose to rest in His love and factor in His involvement. God, you're at work. This is not just about, you know, my little endeavor. You're at work. You're doing something in the middle of it. So, the question for us is to ask the Lord and to look a little deeper. What are you up to? What are you doing here? What are you doing when we don't understand what you're doing? You know, we were talking before the meeting tonight, and I was sharing with him that, you know, I think there's a lot of people right now who are kind of adrift. They don't seem to understand what God's doing in their life right now. They don't understand... Things have not gone the way they expected. They don't seem to have a clear word. They don't have a statement. have a clear direction. And more and more, I'm thinking God's up to something in the hidden place. He's up to something in the secret place. It's not blatant. It's not clear. It's not something very obvious. But He's, under, he's into something underground. There's something deep that He's working. And so I just decided to just lean into it and trust it. I don't know what he's doing in some of these places, but he's doing something. He's always doing something because he's perfecting everything that concerns me. So he's up to something, right? He's up to something good, and we know it's good. Amen. He is doing something. So I would like for us to just pray just for a minute because I feel like that I have certainly been guilty of specialized faith or gift of faith more often sometimes than having a steady approach to life in every day. I mean, I'm, I've considered myself to be, you know, a person of faith for many, many years. But I have seen there's always room for improvement. And I've seen some little places where the tendency was to just get over into, well, is he going to do something? I didn't really ask him to. You know what? Those birds get out there every day. And they expect to find food every day. They just expect it. So the expectation for me that I want to develop and I want all of us to develop is a growing confidence that He's working more than we know. He is much more involved. He wants things for you much more than you know. He is pursuing you much harder than you're pursuing Him. Isn't that cool? I love that. 
Father, I ask you in Jesus' name that you would grow us and strengthen us to where we would not be practical atheists. We're not men and women of little faith. But Lord, that we have an intentional approach to life, intentional faith, believing, Lord God, that you are at work in every day and every situation, whether we clearly understand or not, God, knowing that you are up to something good. So I'm asking you, Lord, that by the Holy Spirit, that you would sharpen our perception and help us to see your hand at work. Show us in some of the places to where we've taken a series of steps and and we just don't we don't see what that was all about. Would you, Holy Spirit, enlighten us and begin to give us some insight to see that truly you have been there every day in every place. It's just like the the very famous footprints poem. When the there were two sets of footprints between the person and the Lord walking together. And then there was the one set of footprints when the Lord carried. And Lord, it's those times when you have carried us that a lot of times we have just not had a clue as to what was going on. We have not understood what you were doing in our lives. So I'm asking you, Lord God, to give us that insight and help us, Lord God, to become much more intentional about faith, to grow in faith, to feed it, to guard it, and to choose to believe it in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that you are always at work. I thank you, Lord God. You're our help. You're very present help in time of trouble in Jesus' name. Amen.